0: So today I'm, well, I'm not here on the tool ship, but I'm in your office um, (laughs) at the Riverside in Glasgow. Um, I'm joined by Nicola Johnson, learner and access officer, to talk about the tool ship. Um, So the tool ship's one of my favourite museums in Glasgow because I've got lots of happy memories here. But objectively, what do you think makes the tool ship
1: so special? I think probably because we really try and make the ship inclusive for for everyone so i think when people come they don't really know what to expect and when they come on they see that there's so much and recently we've been getting a lot of people saying it's amazing you're wheelchair accessible um and also our our cafe and shop prices are are pretty good i would mm-hmm. say for a museum and really um affordable because our aim is to try and make it affordable for basically every glasgow you know, citizen, we've always got something different going on as mm-hmm. well. So whether it's, you know, our, our school holiday activities or different exhibitions, or community groups coming in and bringing their exhibitions. What kind of um, exhibitions and events do you put on? So for exhibitions, we, we do try to do at least one big in-house exhibition a year. So this year... It's been um, on pirates, so oh, okay. sailors in their dark side, um, and which has been really popular. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for events and things, we always try and take part in whatever's going on in the city. So, um, like, comedy festival, we always take part in that. Doors open um, weekend, which is actually um, just in a month's time, September. And um Festival of Museums is a is a big one that mm-hmm. we've take we've taken part in the past couple of years. Um, and, you know, just smaller events like World Book Day, so basically whatever <laughs> we can really.
0: <laughs> what, um, fe- what's um what's museum
1: Festival Museum? So it's run by Museum Galleries Scotland who are the big um kind of board for, for museums in and, and Scotland and basically they try and encourage you to put on something different for to try and get a different audience in because museums sometimes can have you know a particular audience there's certain kind of groups that don't normally kind of interact with museums so basically they want you to try and put something a bit out of the ordinary get a new kind of clientele through the door so this year we, our because of our pirate exhibition our theme was pirates and we had a reenactment group on so that was amazing they were all over the ship and you could um you know try out their swords and they were doing live musket firing and um, we even had parrots and live parrots <laughs> and exotic <laughs> birds on so you could you know dress up as a pirate handle a parrot wow, that's <laughs> um, incredible! yeah um so yeah, so that's a really big event and it's great because we get lots of volunteers in, involved as well. Um, so yeah, that's kind of one of the highlights of our year, to mm-hmm. be honest. When was that? It's in May, it was in May, and it's May, um, it's usually the kind of third weekend in May every year. So look out for it next okay, year. Okay, I that. <laughs>
0: that sounds amazing. So um, when was the tour ship built and uh, what was it originally built for?
1: So it was built in, or it was finished in 1896, so the 3rd of December. Um, So this year it's going to be 121 years since it was launched. And it was originally a cargo ship, so um, it sailed all over the world delivering different cargoes, um, like, you know, sugar, wheat, rice, even guano, um, which is bird and bat. Droppings, yeah. (laughs) Um, So all sorts. And then in the the nineteen twenties, the Spanish Navy bought the ship over, and it was then used as a training ship for their sea cadets. And then it it was used by them up until the nineteen seventies when it was discontinued, and it wasn't used for around twenty years. So as you can imagine, these ships. Take a lot of upkeep and maintenance so not being used for 20 years it was left in a bit of a mess so in the 90s the ship was brought back to Glasgow by the Clyde Maritime Trust who still own and and run the ship now and it was restored back to the way it was in 1896
0: (laughs) So do you know anything about the condition it was found in? Like what work needed doing in the restoration?
1: Yeah, it's um, that we've actually got a small exhibit, permanent exhibit on the ship that shows you, because the best way to kind of really see it is to look at the photos. It was in a complete wreck. The uh, so bad that the masts that it's really famous for now, famous icon on the river now, were were down. They were gone. Um, there had been fires in different parts of the ship. So what we actually had to do was. Um, the volunteers um, that were looking that reconstructed the ship, they had to look, you know, back at original drawings and things, because it was in such a mess to rebuild it. Um, so yeah, and it had been stripped of the engine had been stripped of, you know, different parts. It was basically a big vandalised wreck. To be honest, it was yeah, awful. It's a
0: shame. Yeah. How did they um, find out it was there and like who brought it back?
1: So. A man named Hamish Hardy, who's still very much involved in the trust, he and a couple of other gentlemen had heard the ship was in Spain and went to see it and basically managed to identify that it's definitely a Clyde-built ship. And they managed to, you know, look at records and things and worked out what the ship was um, and basically put together the trust, so started the trust together and then the ship was up for auction, and um, they they managed to bid on it, and luckily <laughs> they, they got it because I think I'm pretty sure there was a a Dutch a Dutchman who was also up for for the ship. I'm not sure what he would have done with it, but luckily it came back to Glasgow. Oh, that is <laughs> a good ending. To the yeah. Story.
0: So, um, what else does the Clyde Maritime Trust do?
1: So the trust, the main thing for the trust really is to operate uh, the ship. So it's because we are a registered charity. um, So the trust is here to preserve the ship. So as I said, it's 121 years old this year and we want it to be around for, you know, another 100 years and more. So the trust basically tries to raise funds to put, back into the ship because it needs constant restoration and upkeep. We've actually got a lot of our visitors, you'll see, you know, our front of house team and the shop and the front desk, in the cafe. You'll see our learning team like myself who work with the children and visitors. But behind the scenes we've got um our crew as well who are constantly all year round maintaining the ship. And actually in four years time the ship has to go to dry dock. So We're going to be trying to raise a million pounds. Yeah, which is quite a big task, but basically the ship needs to be taken right out of the water and they have to look at the hulls which is the bottom of Mm -hmm. the ship, just you know, to check for wear and tear. So that's something that would normally be done when a ship is like that is sailing at sea. Every few years, yeah. Um, but obviously, we're not travelling anywhere, so we're not out the sea. You know, it's yeah. harder to check. So,
0: how regularly does that have to be done at the tow ship?
1: It's um, seven, I believe, seven to ten years, um, is is what they, how often they need to do it. So the last time it was done was just before it was moved. Um, along here where we are next to Riverside Museum, um, which is about I think basically when it comes to it it will be 10 years.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah oh, cool. <laughs> um, So do you know anything about the people who'd have um, originally
1: sailed on the ship? Yeah, we've got um, uh, so we've got a group of volunteers who do a lot of research for us, which are fantastic. and they also do a lot of our guided tours. And we've also got our museum and interpretation officer um who, you know, deals with our archive. And over the past kind of twenty years it's really built up and we've found a lot more out. So about um found, you know, log books from certain voyages and we've it something else that's lovely is a lot of visitors will get in touch and they maybe trace their family tree and they found out, oh, you know, my great 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 grandfather was an apprentice on the ship or so and through that we just find out more and more um but yeah kind of again behind the scenes we've got like a small team Mm -hmm. constantly kind of looking into things
0: well that's great is there are there any stories that particularly stand out to you
1: yeah one i would say perhaps um is about a so the a famous ship, the Lusitania, which was um, sank in World War One, um, basically one of their officers, Albert Bestick, uh, he actually started as an apprentice on the tall ship when it was then known as Isle Mount. So he was actually an apprentice on our ship, then went on to be one of the you know most. Uh, famous and unfortunately, sea disasters in the world, but it's quite amazing to think, you know, he actually started on the yeah. ship that we we're walking about in, in day to day. Um, so yeah, I, would, I think that's quite, quite an interesting one, probably. So you
0: said that um, the tool ship's changed its name, and obviously it didn't mm-hmm. start off as the tool ship. But what do you know? All the different names it's had over the period.
1: Yeah, I think I can name them all. <laughs> <laughs> so. It started out as Glen Lee in 1896, so that's why we've renamed her Glen, Glen Lee. Um, and then she moved on to Claristella, so she was bought over by an Italian company, moved to the Mediterranean, which, and I do like that name, I think that's mm. a lovely name. And then she was bought over by another um, kind of Scottish based company and was renamed Isla And then from Isla Mount she went to um Galatea, so that's the Spanish name and she it was she was actually Galatea for, for kind of the longest period. Um, and then when we brought the ship back and had her, you know, relaunched, we renamed her Glen Lee. Um, because a lot of people say what well, um why why do you call her the tall ship? But actually when you look at our history, she was you know, Glen Lee's not the only period, and there's so many different periods yeah. that you want to highlight. So, is that why you sort of use
0: the umbrella term? Yeah, worship?
1: yeah. Uh huh. And
0: it's amazing you have like free entry as well. I know you said it's really cheap, and like all the coffees and the cafe are really mm-hmm. cheap. But I think the fact that it's actually free entry is can be really appealing because even though, you know, you obviously probably get a lot of footfall and no one pays any money, it's still. They Will eventually, you know, encourage yeah. people to come back, like having the option to yeah. go somewhere for free and then, like, every now and mm-hmm. again buy something.
1: That's so yeah. true, yeah. And it allows us to put on, um, you know, events. Most of our family events we still do free and we we'll maybe just ask for a donation. Now and again, you know, Halloween, we've started for the past couple of years doing our spooky Halloween tours for children. And we charge just a small fee for that, but I think, and then we have the one at Easter and then at Christmas, you know, Santa comes and I think having these kind of things on throughout the year and the, like you said, the fact we're free, mm-hmm. then it encourages people to think, well, you know, I go so many visits for free and I can do a couple a year, I Don't I'm happy to kind of pay in for, you know, yeah. for different yeah, events. Definitely.
0: And I think also when you say like donations, it almost helps like get more money because yeah. people think like they sort of pay what they think it's worth.
1: Yeah, that's true, definitely. Yeah. And they there
0: sometimes are uh, like lean towards being more generous. Than, yeah. Like, not. You know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, and I I was also gonna say like the fact I had my graduation ball there, like yeah. you sort of seem to encourage it, like we went on, and I mean. To be nice, like, that's a nice way of putting it. Like we made quite a mess, so I think it's amazing that you can encourage the tour to be more of a public space mm-hmm. than a museum, um, and that's like also really helps sort of make it feel like it's part of Glasgow and like part of the people's mm-hmm. heritage. Yeah, the fact that you're able to like leave it out like that and not be super precious over it. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I don't think we left it in a very clean state. <laughs> I mean, It was like a lot of graduates.
1: Yeah, I know. I think it's something that we. We kind of constantly battle because, yeah. you know, in one way we've got this historic vessel, so obviously you want our in pristine condition. But, you know, if you don't have visitors and people using using her, you know, she's not going to last. She's yeah. not going, if no one comes in. Yeah. So it's that kind of constant battle. But definitely our events, because um, as I said, we're a charity, so our events that are when people pay for the hire and, um, it definitely helps mm-hmm. bring money in um, so it's definitely something that that's really important just to kind of keep us going so it's um, so yeah <laughs> what What does your job look like on a day-to-day basis it's uh it's it's funny actually when when you know people ask me because it can really vary so for example during the, the school holidays there the summer I've been a pirate <laughs> most days, um, you know, doing the children activities on the ship, treasure hunts, um, etc. But then there's other times I'm in, you know, writing maybe funding applications or planning our new learning program, taking bookings from, from groups doing guided tours, um, and then also. We've got a lot of volunteers, thankfully, that come and help us out, so working with our volunteers on their projects, and something that's really important at the moment, um, we've got some radio officers, so they're all retired um, men who used to sail around the world on merchant ships doing Morse code. That's amazing. Yeah, and they come in and they um, do, uh, you know, give up their time, and they work with skills that we have and teach them about Morse code and um, that's just a fantastic kind of asset to have so um, yeah I'd say there's a lot of, of variety in the job there's always in planning like our festival of museums and, and big events like that um, but yeah so I get to do you know um, some hands-on things but then also there's a lot kind of behind the scenes planning and that type of thing as well.
0: That's amazing. Well, um, thanks very much for talking to me. It's been really interesting. It's been great to meet you.
1: Yeah, you too. Thanks so much for for coming and showing such an interest in the ship as well.
0: Thanks.